It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Weff. And as always, I'm joined by Tim in Vancouver. Tim, um, you know, we really, we really should stop doing this. We need to find a different recording time. This, 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 this is killing me, man. <laughs> yeah, it's right now 6.43 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we are at our prime, uh, freshest level of energy. So we are so excited to do the Football Grad Podcast and talk about Russian and Ukrainian football. Yeah, well, what do you say? The early bird catches. Ah, let's leave that. Um, join, <laughs> joining us on today's podcast is not Andrew from Siberia because he's uh, busy, but we got Vadim back. Hey, Vadim, how's it going? Slightly less early for you over on the East Coast, isn't it? 9.44 a.m. in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I'm doing How's everyone else? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I'm excited to, to chat to you about some Ukrainian football today, Vadim. Uh, likewise. Excellent stuff. Um, but before we get to into that, um, Tim, we're actually going to start talking about your club this week. Yes. I'm uh, always ready. The enthusiasm level just goes from I am exhausted <laughs> to amazing. I can just, I can just sense the level in the room is rising when I, I just need to mention it. <laughs> um, you guys had a pretty decent result. On the weekend, and um, yes, there is. You guys have played one game more than Locomotive, but you are keeping the gap close to just two points. Now, of course, Locomotive has a game in hand, and um, if they win that game, it will be five. That said, um, they have to win that game first, right? So right now, I mean, we got a title race, more or less, um, between Locomotive and Spartak. Uh, talk us through that, Tim. Yeah, there is actually a title race, and the reason why there is a title race is because uh, who Lokomotiv have to play. Uh, they still, like you said, they have one game more, but they have, um, out of six games which they have left, they have kind of, let's say, three, four games which could be tough because they have to play against Dynamo, and Dynamo right now is in good form. Uh, this match day, the Dynamo won over CSKA. Then they still have to play Krasnodar and Zenit, and they have to play Arsenal Tula, which we will talk today a little bit about, and the club, which is also in good form. So obviously, you know, um, it's they have one less game, and um, as of right now, there's two points, but I definitely see them, there is a chance for them to lose more points, and then they might get nervous, and uh, this is where we can come in and maybe 
close the gap even 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 smaller. Um, so in this match day, Lokomotiv won. They won. Uh, it was a very tough game against uh, Rostov. Um, pretty much there was it was a very dull game with no significant chances. But uh, in the 46th minute, um, Lokomotiv converted a free kick to. Uh, fairly mediocre goal, but uh, they got the three points and they got the job done. And Spartak won away at Anjim Hachkala with Quincy Promise scoring three goals and becoming the top scorer from the foreign players in the history of the club. And um, yeah, it was just it was just different to diff- completely different. Spartak outclassed Anji for one good result, three points. Let's keep playing. Yeah, it's, it is it is a very good result for, for Spartak. And, you know, for Lokomotiv to um, the away game at home last week, mm. um, sort of overcome overcome that a little bit, right? And we we reckon that playing Rostov would be a tricky affair for them because you know, Rostov can be a difficult side to play. They're in a little bit of relegation trouble this season. It's it's quicker in the Premier League, Russian football Premier League, because it's only sixteen teams. You can fall into one of those bottom four spots pretty quickly, hey. I mean, when you look at the table right now, it's, it's all very close. And people will say, well, Rostov, wait, weren't they the team that beat Bayern in the Champions League two years ago? And uh-huh. it's, it's, it just seems so tight. So, but at the same time, 16 teams also means that maybe aside from, uh, Skaha or Bovsk, everyone is very competitive. So that was not an easy win for Lokomotiv. No, no, it wasn't. Just to follow up one, you said uh, Dynamo before this game, before winning over CSKA, they were um, in the relegation playoff. And now they are only two wins away from potentially getting the sixth place, which gives, uh, which might give uh, the Europa League spot if Spartak wins the, the cup. So this is just like, this is just how, how tight the table is from relegation playoff. One win brings it to potentially being in content, competition for the European places, and that's how tight the the race is. So yeah, well, like you said, Skahabarovsk is out. Uh, not mathematically, I think next next match day they they will be mathematically out. But uh, the rest of fifteen clubs have everything to play for, uh, and um, nobody is safe, especially from that group like uh, ten ten places below, and obviously. Um, teams above because it depends on what happens in the cup then the sixth place could become that place which uh, be european spot yeah we, we spoke about it on the on the previous pods and we thought and we found on the on the rfpl website that the uh, finalist of the cup would be in the in, in the europa league but turns out that they changed those rules and um the sixth place now could get uh, the european spot yeah, and that's, I mean, that's if Spartak wins it, right? Because Spartak, exactly. Spartak will have, by any stretch of the imagination, they will have that European spot. So, um, which means, yes, the currently Arsenal Tula in sixth would get that extra Europa League spot. There's a rule that they changed Europe, Europe wide that the, um, if the finalist has been defeated by a team that's already qualified for Europe, they they no longer qualify for Europe, but instead that the the spot goes back to the top, um, to the to the league. Um, yeah, and you say it. I mean, Arsenal, Tula, they have thirty five points, and we're gonna talk about them in a bit more in, in a moment. But I just want to stretch, um, stress how my, how tight this league is because Rostov are on the first relegation playoff spot. They have twenty seven points, and Arsenal, Tula have thirty five points, and they're sixth. So 13th and 6th yeah. are separated by just 8 points. And yeah, it's that 
that Europa League spot, I mean, you see 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, even Ural with, you know, 30 points on 10th, they are all, they're all still in contention for that. It's, um, it's very tight. And then, of course, that's what I mean. Going to Rostov, Rostov don't look like a top team in the league, but again, there's only 16 teams in the league. So getting that win against Rostov, that was something where we said last week, that will be tough for Loco. So, you know, to, for them to get it and get the result after what has been an embarrassing, um, away game at home. That was, that was, that was, that could end up being vital for them in the end. Yeah. This, this, this game could be, um, like I said, like I said, the, the, the last time this game could be the, which might have, might change the, uh, the, the mentality of the club and might, uh, you know, I was hoping that they will have issues in, in that game against Rastov. Uh, but no, they got the three points. They got the job done. So we just have to look at the, you know, at the, at the, at the other results. Like I said, the calendars is not that easy. They have a few tough games. So like you said, uh, how they say in Spain, a, a Liga or something like that. So yeah, there is a league. There is a league and uh, there is a proper title race. And uh, of course we have to see, but, uh, but yeah, it looks like, it looks like it's getting even more exciting as it uh, was before the second half of the season started. Yeah. And of course it helps that you guys beat Anchi 4-1 <laughs> and promise with his three goals, right? He's now the top scorer in Spartak's history, as you said. Um, do you think that if he wins another title with Spartak or, you know, manages to get the club back in the Champions League, is that going to be it for him or is he going to stay there for even longer? You know, this is, this is something that we've discussed many times before. And a lot of people thought that promise would be gone, um, last transfer window on the transfer window before, but has, he both times he ended up staying. Do you think that this might be his last season in Russia? You know, it's very hard to say because even Denis Glushakov officially said, I think Denis Glushakov is the captain of Spartak, said that uh, I think Promise need to progress and he needs to leave uh, this summer. So even, you know, even players inside the club say. On the other hand, Promise said um, that he he's happy at Spartak and he is waiting for the offer from a really top club. He feels like he's the player who can play in Tottenham, Arsenal, you know, Chelsea, those, those types of clubs. That's why he didn't, he had an offer from Southampton uh, on that, uh, on the last transfer window, and he didn't go because he didn't feel he wasn't 100% certain that th- this is the right career for his move, and and so he didn't leave. So it's really hard to say he's waiting for that right offer, and you know I'm not sure if like really at this point club like Liverpool or Tottenham will be look like you know will give him an offer because in Champions League. He, he, he had a couple of good games, but he wasn't really the, the player who was standout player in the Champions League group. Um, with the national team with Netherlands, uh, they missed the last two big tournaments. So he also really not at the top, top, top level. Yes, he's the best player in Spartak. Yes, he's doing great in, 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 in the Russian league. But at the same time, he, he is not that level that really like, you know, the top level, like the top level of English clubs or, you know, one of those top clubs. And this is his ambition. So, you know, based on what he says, he is waiting for that right, right offer from the big club, but I'm not sure if this offer will come. So it's really hard to say because obviously he's outgrown uh, Spartak, he's outgrown the Russian league, but 
his ambitions, I think, might be not realistic. Maybe it's it will be good for him to start at a place like Southampton and then move on. But um, it seems like he really aims really high. So um, I, you know, I obviously would like him to stay, but at the same time, um, it's obvious that he is outgrown the league and the club and. To be honest, it's time for him to move on. I was ready for him to move on two years ago, but he still stayed for another two years. And he said he's the man of his word, which I really respect because I really respect people who keep who do what they say. And he said that he's not going to leave until he will, he will win Spartak a trophy. He already won two and he is on the way to win potentially other two. So he is definitely the, the you know, he did his part for Spartak. He can leave and nobody will say anything bad for him. He... He, he deserves to to move on but i'm not sure if he you know he he will get that offer he's waiting for so it's a it's a question it's a tough question yeah definitely i mean the the, the thing is sparta currently could win another double right win the the, yeah. the cup and the win the cup and the league which is of course um something hard to believe a few weeks at the winter even or when you when you look back at the start that they had in the season hard to believe that they're back in that situation but yep they are they are one of the teams that could potentially take away what seemed like a sure title for locomotive moscow um and that's that's remarkable at this stage of the season as you said we got a league and i i personally think it would be hard to believe for promise to stay on after that because um yeah it's what else is he gonna win, right? Um, yeah, the, like he needs to progress. He's yeah. he's a talented player. He needs to move on. But yeah, I don't know. He's he says he says I really like, and everyone says like people who see him in real life, everyone says that he really enjoys his life in Moscow because he um, he has a very very you know luxurious life. He makes lots of money. He enjoys playing. He loves that the fan loves him. He enjoys playing. He enjoys being the leader of the club. So he really, really likes his life in Moscow. So it's not like something that he's like, oh, I have to play in Russia. No, he really loves. Like he lives in a beautiful place. He does everything he wants. He travels. He he does a lot of advertisement, and he likes doing that. So he really enjoys his life. So it's really uh, in Russian we have an, a saying: uh, you're not gonna um, change a good for better. Or stuff like that, but yeah. So he he really just like he he is in a good place right now. That's why he is looking for a really really good right offer because he is happy as he where he is right now. But he needs to progress. That's no doubt here. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, um, there's plenty of examples of players that seem to have outgrown um, Russia. Usually they are Russians, but never really left because it's. You know, for, for players playing in Russia, it's usually a very comfortable lifestyle. And it seems like promise has fit right into that. But, um, Tim, we need to move on and talk about two teams that have, from what I think, have pretty much said goodbye to the title race. And that's, um, CSKA and Zenit for me. Um, you know, let's start with CSKA first. Um, they lost the, the Moscow derby on, well, today, I guess, by the time of recording, right? Um, yeah. They they lost the, or oh, actually, sorry, yesterday by the time of recording. Time difference can be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they lost that Moscow derby uh, to Dynamo. Um, 
bit of a surprising result, I think, but maybe because of the, the Europa League fixtures, the con- conge- congestion of fixtures, maybe that was, that was coming for them. Um, we have mentioned many times that they have a, a very thin squad, right? So, um, as a result, I, I'm not hugely surprised maybe that at some point they would say goodbye, but I mean, this is a huge result for Dynamo. And uh, for CSKA, I guess they really need to to aim now to finish third in that league, right, Tim? Yeah, obviously, like uh, for CSKA, like you said, they have a very thin squad and financially they're not the strongest club in Russia. Uh, so champ- qualification for Champions League is crucial for them because that's very much makes a big part of their budget for the year. Um, and uh, the CSKA coach Gancherenka made a very interesting um, decisions. He rotated the squad a little bit. So, for example, Alexander Golovin, who is one of their leaders, one of their best players, started the game on the bench. And it's hard to, he didn't really comment why it wasn't like, wasn't he saving for the second game against Arsenal or wasn't he just not fit because of the congestions of uh, games? So there was also another, another little story that uh, Musa, when he was substituted off, um, he kind of like, he didn't shake the hand with, uh, with Gancherenka. He, like, you know, how the players do that. And then Gancherenka went crazy and just talked to him very, very, in a very serious uh, manner. So it just shows like, obviously the game wasn't going well. They were down two nothing against Dynamo in, in the derby and uh, the game was not going well. So it was a couple of interesting things which happened in that game. But like you said, that was a big blow for Tseska. We need to keep in mind, they still have one game less, uh, but again, this game used to be one and uh, their, their calendar is not that uh, straightforward, uh, but um Said qualification for Champions League is crucial for CSKA. Financially, it's 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 very important. Well, yeah, it's like the gap is they have the same amount of games than Loco, and the gap is eight points, right? Um, you know, with six games left, I just can't I just can't see it. You know, and then there's the team and, in between them as well. Yeah, and they they still have to play Krasnodar and CSKA. It's yeah. funny how Lokomotiv have to play Krasnodar and CSKA and and. Oh, sorry, Krasnodar and Zenit, and uh, Ciska has to play Krasnodar and Zenit. So it's uh, people. Will, so those teams will be biting off points of each other, mm. and Spartak already played with all those teams. So that's why that's why there is a title race. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Krasnodar. Um, I wanna I wanna go to the, the dumpster fire that is Zenit in just a moment, but <laughs> because the, um, Krasnodar fired the coach. That was one of our big co- um, topics last week. And they brought in more Muzaev. Um, an academy coach, and then uh, Musaev goes in his first game and defeats uh, Sanit. Right? Away, away. I know. Um, basically turns things around immediately. And Krasnodar are now fourth. They're even on points with CSKA, but have one game more, right? Um, but they are back. They're actually back in that Champions League race. Pretty quick turnaround. Um, that the fact that. You know, he, he managed to, to just go in and get a result right away. Um, I, in, at the Krestovsky stadium and one of the goal scorers, you know, Shatov, who is on loan from Sydney to Krasnodar. Um, he scored the goal and went in tears, went to the bench and he got applauded by the, by the Krestovsky crowd and he was kind of forced out by Mancini. It, there's so many stories going on in this game. It's, it's, Really interesting, but I think the one first thing that we need to focus on, Musaev getting that result, that's so big for them, isn't it? 
Yeah, the coach uh, is 34 years old, very, very young coach. He doesn't have, I, I think it's called pro license. So unofficially, he is not the new main coach. He is like the caretaker. Uh, but um, he will get his full licensing during the summer and starting the summer, he will be officially the the new coach. But even right now, he is the man in charge, even he doesn't have the proper licensing. Uh, a person who doesn't have any proper Premier League experience, he always worked in academy, but he has been in the academy for a very long time. He's been years and Keeping in mind that Krasnodar, I believe, is 10 years old. It's 70% of been with the club. So um, very young, promising coach. And this is uh, the way the he Sergei Galitsky wants the Krasnodar to develop. He believes in his academy. He invested lots of money. And apparently there are quite a few young, good young players are coming up in Krasnodar system. So... Um, like you know, like we speak in Russia, um, Krasnodar is the everyone's second second favorite club because they just doing the right things. They you know they built a beautiful stadium, they increase their fan base, uh, they really give chance to young players. They play beautiful football, so everyone everyone likes them, and everyone you know like I said, second second favorite best club. So everyone is interested in that approach and um, given a job to a no name because nobody knows who he is. He is the guy who worked in the academy. It's because nobody really knows what to expect. Nobody like I didn't know how he looked like like he, this is the this is the, the, the person who only um, people who work at the FC Krasnodar know outside of, of the club. Nobody knows who he is. So it's it's a completely new face on the on the Russian league. And he starts his career very beautifully. He was he was actually he gave a very interesting post match interview because he said we completely failed the first half. And that's true because Zenit, they had quite a few chances in the first half and they potentially could have scored a few more goals. But the first half finished 1-1, but the second half was a completely different story because Krasnodar was in control. They were way better and they scored the, the final goal, the, uh, goal by Klassen and they won the game. So uh, you can also take a look uh, at this moment as a positive that the, the first half was bad, really bad, and the coach somehow turned around the game that uh, the team really improved and got three points away at Zenit. And uh, obviously, yeah, the shot off, that's the big story. Let's let's talk about him. <laughs> you know, I want to throw that in the shot off story with everything that's going on with Zenit right now because yeah, because <laughs> he, of course, was sent on loan to to Krasnodar, right? He now scored the goal in tears and um, <laughs> is the first guy to basically bite Mancini in the butt. Um, and now the, the rumors are emerging in Italy that Mancini is already more or less signed a deal to become Italy's next national team coach. There's all these stories that Dan Mancini will bring back Balotelli to play for Italy again and all that kind of stuff. That is a crazy story, but let's, let's throw in that next component that we want to talk about because, uh, Zenit are playing, uh, Arsenal Tula next, right? Or they're playing Anchi next and then, uh, they're, they're playing, um, Tula the week after, if I'm not mistaken. Now, Artem Zuba is playing a Tula right now on loan and he's already said that because technically Tula will have to play, pay a 100,000 uh, 120,000 euro penalty if they field Zuba against Zenit. And he's now said he's going to pay that fine so that he can play and win against Mancini. 
So, you know, all these things are kind of coming back at Mancini to haunt him. All the mess that he's caused at Zenit. And basically, you know, remember, Tim, both of us, we said this is a, this is dumpster fire waiting to happen, right? It's, it's kind of happening right now, isn't it? That there's all these things, all the decisions that he's made. The first one with sending out Shatov, not playing him, has already bitten him in the butt. Um, then there's these rumors in Italy, and then the Artem, Artem Suba is coming. You know how they say winter is coming? Artem Suba is coming. <laughs> Just to sum it all up, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, to, to be honest, uh, Zenit is quite a mess. Um, it's really, first of all, it's a mess inside the club, because the play, the players who are playing right now for Zenit is nothing against them, but it's like Magomed Azdoev, and the player who came on as a sub is Panyukov, who's playing for Zenit too. In um, in FNL and the players who were on the bench, it's really it's really not the level of Zenit. Like Zenit aiming to be a club which plays in Champions League and playoffs every year. That's that's their goal. But uh, the players which they have right now and players who play against Krasnodar, not that level. At the same time, he has Alek Shatov, national team player, Artyom Dzuba, national team player, um, Ivan Novoselsev, uh, also but the former national team players on loan elsewhere. So if you take a look at the people who are sitting on the bench versus the people who are on the loan, it's just you have um, you have really that dependency and level. People who are on the loan definitely are just a way stronger than the player right now who right now on the bench. And all those players who right now are on the loan left because of somewhat conflicts with with Mancini. Obvious, non-obvious, uh, like didn't get enough playing time, but really like it's the two big ones is Artyom Dzuba and, and Alek Shatov, the players who are, you know, one of the stars of the Russian Premier, Premier League and obviously the um, players of the national team and people, both players would want to go to the World Cup. And now they are all left uh, on loan with a very, very angry Set set of mind, and they really want to prove it to Mancini what he, uh, that 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 he was wrong. And like I like you said, that Tom Zuba said that he will pay hundred and twenty thousand, I believe it's euros, yeah. just to play one game and just really to to show to Mancini uh, to 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 show the mistake. Uh, Alex Shatov already did that, and he got three points uh, for Krasnodar. So, uh, like you said, it's biting it's biting Mancini, and uh, it's his relationships it's his man management that that didn't work out in zenith um obviously like the game is not there but i think it, it's first coming between those relationships because it's not the team it's just a, a it's a group of players who don't really know what what to do together on the field and who are not very happy in the in the, in the dressing room yeah um this this is something that i expected i mean we saw that with mancini at every other club that he went right Manchester City, yeah. same problem. Inter Milan, same problem. Um, the, Even Galatasaray, I think. Yeah, Ev- everywhere he went, the, the, it's he's he's a fantastic coach, but he tactically is a fantastic coach. He's very good at identifying talent, but I think his personality is he lacks um, empathy, right? I mean, this is this is something that we, we we say often about Thomas Tuchel, for example, right? He's a fantastic coach and all that, but um, the team, he, he's very bad at man management in a way. And I think Mancini is the same way. He's just bad at man management. Players that have left the club hate him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. some, some yeah. love him. Balotelli loves Mancini. God knows why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just, <laughs> but yeah, you, you look at Artem Suba and 
I mean, 120,000 euros is a lot of money. So, you know, just willing to pay 120,000 euros just to basically um, prove the point. Prove a point. And I mean, Arsenal Tula have been, have been good since he's joined and, and they are in that sixth Europa League spot. They could make it to the Europa League. Uh, so Artem Zuber has been proving a point. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think Mancini, um, if he becomes the next Italy head coach, pff, uh, well, I, yeah, I, I am curious to watch that one. It will no longer be in mm-hmm. our sphere of football that we watched him, but I think we'll all be curious to follow it. Um, the, the one question uh, before we move to our next subject, which is Ukraine, who do you think is going to be the next Senate coach? And, um, there's a lot of calls. I know Saul Pope, one of our football guard writers, he really wants a Russian coach. I personally think Sinit will never hire a Russian coach because that's not who they are. But what is your opinion on that? Well, it's hard, to, it's hard to say right now because first they need to figure out situation with Mancini. It's, it's unlikely that he will stay, but, um, Obviously, there is there there is the contract issues which need to be resolved if he were to go and get Italy job. If he doesn't get Italy job, uh, then uh, then they would have to somehow sort it out. I don't think it will be healthy for the club for Mancini to stay. It will be healthy for me as a Spartak fan because to me it's everything what's going it's going great so far. Uh, but uh, in terms of just looking at the if we analyze the the list of last coaches, it's always been. Foreigners. It's been uh, Spalletti, uh, Andre Villas-Boas, Luchescu, and now Mancini. So there's like as you can see, there's no uh, Russian coaches. Um, and uh, the other person that uh, Paul was talking about on the internet, he thought that Sergei Simak, he, that was his, you know, choice. Uh, Sergei Simak recently spoke and he said uh, before that, I, before uh, Fursenka, who is now the you know the running the show at Zenit, before he joined the club, I was in total contact with Zenit with the management, and we were talking that potentially somehow I might come back to Zenit as a coach. And then he said that once Fursenka returned to Zenit, there's no way back for me. He didn't really specify what that means. I, I, did, I had no idea that they had some kind of disagreement, but apparently the person who's right now in charge of picking the coaches in Zenit. Apparently, there's a conflict between or some something that stops him to hire back Sergei Simak, who is um, Russian football club legend. I, I agree with you. I don't think I don't think uh, that, that will be a Russian coach if they were to change. I think they will continue that uh, pattern with the foreign coaches, and I think it it might be um, fairly big name because after if they don't qualify again for Champions League. Like they did, they, it will be just an embarrassment. And again, Zenit will spend. I, I'm not sure how they're gonna deal with that on a financial fair play level because last year they spent a lot, and they still have those um, financial fair play results from selling Hulk and Witzel to China. But as I understand, that should run out at some point. You know, like this, the the credit, the, or sorry, the debit which they made. Um, so my opinion, I think it will be a big international name but there has been no rumors about who would be that person so um, i agree with you in terms of that uh, but uh, we just have to wait and see how the season will finish and what they gotta do yeah i, I agree well, well we'll keep an eye on this i think this will be a hot topic till the very end Tim. but we have other hot topics and i, I want to get vadim in, involved in this next segment because we're, we're going to switch to the ukrainian premier league and um at Vadim, you wrote an excellent article over the weekend on Dinamo Kiev signing a new sporting director. 
Now, this is a fascinating man, um, both positive and negative. And I guess we'll start with the bad news first, right? With the, the fact that Krasnikov, uh, Yevon Krasnikov, a man who's, who's very good at spotting talent, especially overseas, but also has a bit of a dark past. And um, he more or less got Metalist banned from the only time they ever qualified for the Champions League. He did, but you can say he is the only reason they qualified for the Champions League to begin with. And I also I also want to point out that we don't actually know whether or not he's a sporting director. He was just hired in an unofficial capacity. Well, it's an official capacity, but he's not been given an official role. And Surkis is saying, you know, he will, he will consult with transfers, with a transfer policy, but he has not been named sporting director, which is what he was at Metalist. So right away, one of the main questions is, you know, will he have the same independence that he did at Metalist? Now, we know, we know how much Surkis tries to, tries to have a hands-on approach and you know, doesn't let his managers really manage. So I think, you know, with Krasnikov, it could be the same situation. But, yeah, about the other thing, the, the, the match fixing, you know, that's the kind of the big black spot on this whole story. This is this goes back uh, to 2007 or 2008 when Metalists were bust, uh, busted for match fixing in a match against Karpaty, and it's a scandal that you know that rocked Ukrainian football and in some ways continues to. You know, there's still conspiracy theories that this was all set up by Surkis to get rid of Metalists' competition. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. But regardless of what actually happened, uh, the Football Federation of Ukraine banned him for life. Three years later, the Court of Arbitration for Sport reduced that ban to five years. And two years later, the Football Federation of Ukraine comes back and says, okay, we're actually canceling the ban, and we're going to hire you as the sporting director of all of the national teams, without any explanation. Uh, Wow. This is... uh... I feel like every time we talk about Ukrainian football, to, uh, Vadim, we have to talk about the, the CAS. That's <laughs> come up a lot. Yeah, it's come up a lot. And we actually have an article on this, um, called Valery Lobanovsky and his mathematical principle. And I, I draw in the, the culture of Soviet football into that, um, into that article. It's a few years old, but it, it deals quite heavily with the, the match fixing, uh, the, the 2008, um, match fixing scandal. And, uh, I, I draw it back to the fact that back in the, I wrote this article in 2013, believe it or not. This is five years ago. But yeah, I, I drew parallels to, um, the situation, uh, Metalistic situation and the fact that back in the Soviet Union, Valery Lobanovsky, the legendary Dynamo head coach, had this idea that if you win all your home games and you draw on the road, you, um, you will win the championship at the end of the season. So he would often arrange matches. Uh, say like, look, we'll, we'll travel to you. This is a difficult place to play. We have a European game. Let's just split the points. And this was, of course, back in the day when they had uh, only two points, right, for a win and a draw, and one point for a draw. So um, arranged matches or friendly matches um, <laughs> is is something that they 
was quite common back then. And I, I think that this is something, um, that's almost, I mean, we, we still have the same rumors in Russia as well, right? Tim, that every once in a while you look at it and yeah. they're like, this is a, this is a friendly match. And we, we chatted about the Sunit Ufa game that took place a few years ago where Ufa sold the home ride and gave it to Sunit. And then, uh, surprise, surprise, both teams got the draw that they needed. Um, but this was a little bit different, right, Vadim, because it's, it, Metalist was more or less accused of buying their way into the Champions League. So the match against Karpate that was allegedly fixed was back in 2008. Then while this went through the courts and ultimately when the CIS reached the verdict, that wasn't until August of 2013. So five years after the fixed match took place. And then they were in the midst of their Champions League qualifying campaign. This would have been the first time they would have they, uh, participated in the Champions League. They'd beaten Pauk over two legs and were set to play Schalke in the playoff round. And that this was like mid mid campaign is when they got kicked out of the Champions League and Pauk was reinstated. Yeah, I, I remember that too because I think it was uh, Schalke was supposed to play mid the list, and then Pauk was reinstated and uh, yeah, and then Schalke kicked out Pauk out of the the, the playoffs. That yeah, it's a it's a crazy scandal, and I mean we have tons and tons and tons of of articles on this on footballrat.com. So it's it's mentioned in your um, Grasnikov article on footballrat.com. Um, it's also mentioned in, and it's linked in in the the Lobanovsky and the mathematical principle article. But I want to talk about some of the positives because you know you have all these players come out more or less say now you know he he brought in Marlos, Tyson, Villagra, Yaya right from from over from South America to Metalist. And this Metalist team was a very exciting team to watch at the time. Um Tyson in an interview was full of praise. He said that um with his help Dynamo could construct a very strong team. So they, they you you already alluded to this. He will need independence to work with with the with the team and be able to sign the players um that he wants to sign, but potentially this could be a very good hiring for Dinamo, right? Well, absolutely, potentially. You just mentioned some of the players that he signed in Metalist, and he is the reason, one of the main reasons that they became the third biggest team in Ukraine behind uh, Dinamo and, and Shakhtar, obviously. And while they never made it to the Champions League because they got thrown out, they were they regularly appealed and appeared in the Europa League. So now if he goes to Dinamo and he can recruit some of that South American talent that he's really famous for, then I think, you know, this could be a restructuring of Dinamo. But at the same time, Surkis has also come out and said he will not, this will, this does not represent a change in our transfer policy. So if this isn't a change in the transfer policy, then what is the reason for hiring somebody that's an expert in bringing in South Americans? And then is there really going to be a focus on you know, young U- Ukrainian players like Tsugankov and Vysedin, or are you going to rely more on young South Americans? And these questions are yet to be answered. The fact that they hired him suggests that there is going to be a change in the transfer policy, regardless of what Surkis says. But, you know, with, with Dinamo, you never really know. Yeah, interesting times. I mean, Dinamo definitely need a bit of a rebuild. Um, I personally, I think it would be good for the club. Um, to, to do things a little different. Um, you know, when you, we yeah, are professionally, I mean, this is, this is one thing that we've chatted many times about the fact that not on, only on the field, but Dynamo have been so much, such a big club for so long. 
Um, for a long time, they even refused to advertise within Ukraine because they didn't think they had to because they thought that everyone knew them anyways, right? So these are like little things that you just look at them, you just shake your head. And I mean, we remember the team from the late 1990s that dazzled all of Europe. They haven't done anything like that in a long time. And um, they, it, it almost seems like they're living a little bit of their old fame. Even when they when they win titles domestically, it always seems like they're living a little bit of their own fame and they're... They're such an such a weird institution that they're not really trying to think outside of the box sometimes, right? I think that's exactly exactly right. I think they still have the sense of superiority as the biggest team in Ukraine, mm. and the fact that you know, in recent years, Shakhtar has really overtaken them. You know, Shakhtar are the ones with the with the European trophy. But I think in the within the club, there's still the sense that this is just a this is just temporary. You know, this is just one challenger, but we are still the biggest club in Ukraine and always will be and don't really even have to work that hard for it. And that is just not reflect reality anymore. And you see it also with, you know, Surkis and his obsession with, with uh, hiring managers and directors with what he calls a uh, Dinamo Skesierce, you know, with the Dinamo heart. Yeah. And just kind of an unwillingness to ever rely on anybody from, from outside, uh, outside the, you know, this bigger Dinamo community, even if it's the club's detriment. But hiring Krasnikov, who doesn't really have many ties to Dynamo, I think is a is a step in a different direction. But we'll see if this is something that, you know, he gets hired two months later, he gets in a conflict with Surkis and he gets thrown out. Or if he actually is given independence and, you know, also, also the finances to construct it, not from scratch, but to supplement, you know, the, the young core that Dynamo has with, with talent from Latin America, perhaps. Yeah, interesting times. Oh, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, speaking of Thailand, and uh, before we, of course, there's a big match happening in Ukraine on the weekend, and we want to talk about that in big detail. But before we go into that match, the the Ukrainian uh, classical um, news emerged this week that um, a young Ukrainian goalkeeper could be joining Inter Milan, um, and Andrei Lunin, and we have an article up on him. I wrote an article, scouting report on him uh, in January, actually. When it, when it was already quite apparent that, you know, he could maybe be the next big player to get, come out of Ukraine. And he plays for Soria Luhansk right now. He's 18. Um, which is remarkable. He's already played two full seasons in Ukraine. Um, uh, Vadim. And, um, he was the starting keeper for Soria in the Europa League this season. And they did quite well in that competition. competition. So this is, so this is not just a keeper who, um, play two full domestic seasons in Ukraine now as an 18 year old, but already has a European prodigy. Um, interesting prospect. Um, a move to Inter Milan, I think can be risky though, because if you are 18, 19 year old keeper from Ukraine and you go right away to a club like that, a club that hasn't been really that well structured in recent years either. I would have personally liked him to do the same thing than, you know, Vadim, we have um, that keeper from Russia. And Tim, you know him, Anton Matrushkin. He went to Switzerland first, right? So you almost want, I, I give this question to both of you. If you're a young keeper from that region, isn't it best to maybe go to a smaller league first in Western Europe and establish yourself and then kind of move up in positions? And maybe Tim, if, if you could shed some light on that first. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you, especially with a, such a position as a keeper when you have to play. Because sitting on the bench does nothing for you. It doesn't really matter where you sit on the bench in Russia, in Ukraine, or in Switzerland, or in Germany, Germany or Spain. Especially at some at such a young age, you kind of have to 
uh, play as much as you can, and you need to get those playing minutes at pretty much at any level just to get that confidence, to get that experience, to go through the motions of the game. And uh, Anton Mikrushkin has has been a perfect example because he uh, he's a talent, he's a massive talent, but he was not really given a lot of playing time in adult uh, football in Spartak, so he said, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. And he went to Sion, to Switzerland, and he got the captaincy. He has been playing consistency. I think he became like the best player of the season for Sion or something along those lines. So I think that's 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 the move. And going back to the Lunin situation, I'm, I completely agree with you. Uh, of course, it might be a good thing for your status to go and sit on the bench or be in the third goalie in Inter Milan, which is, you know, interesting experience for maybe six months, but uh, that doesn't really move your career uh, forward. And you, you, at this age, and especially, like I said, at this position, you need to get this consistent playing minutes. And I don't think playing for a U21 or U19 Inter Milan side uh, is better than playing for Zoriar Lugansk in Europa League. So, no, I've if, if, like, you know, if, like we have that example with another uh, Ukrainian goal, goalkeeper, Maxim Koval, who is, um, you know, who has a little bit more experience than Lunin, but at the same time going to Deportivo La Coruña and playing one game and spending the rest of the season on the bench, I don't think that moves his career forward that much. So if I were in Lunin's shoes. You know, played in his one and only game? Yeah, he, I think he played only one game, right? Yeah, he made a terrible mistake for the first goal and then gave a, and then got sent off shortly sent after. Sent off. Uh, yeah, so I don't think that moves your career way too forward. So, um, yeah, I'm curious what you think, Vadim. But yeah, to me, I if I had the choice of playing for Boavista but playing or sitting on uh, Inter Milan bench, I would go for Boavista. And I'm just throwing Boavista just randomly. No, I don't, I don't know if many people would disagree with that. If you're a 19-year-old goalkeeper and you're sitting on the bench, then really you're wasting away your, you know, the very, very important years for development, and it doesn't matter if it's at, you know, Manchester City or Real Madrid. And there's actually, so interestingly, uh, one of the most promising young Polish goalkeepers is Bartolomej Dragowski, who was playing at Jagiellonia Białystok, and he went to Fiorentina two seasons ago as an 18-year-old. He's played one match for the Fiorentina team since then. So Poland's most promising young goalkeeper is now the Fiorentina third goal, uh, the third choice in Fiorentina. And he has not been loaned out. He's just been sitting on the bench. And I think this is a, so this is definitely a cautionary tale for, for Lunin. There has already been talk of him, you know, being loaned out to a smaller Serie A club like Bologna, which I think if he actually gets playing time there could be a good move. But I think, you know, there's still an inherent risk involved in moving to a big club at such a young age. I only, st- I, I thought that, uh, Dinamo Kia was going to go for him. But that doesn't look like it's happening. Yeah, I think that's that. That would have maybe been <clears throat> sensible. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with both, what both of you are saying. I think for keepers, you have to play, and so um, the Serie A can be cutthroat. So if you're Bologna, right, a team that can for one season can play for a Europa League spot and the next season can fight relegation, are you really going to trust a, a young keeper? Possibly won't even be able to speak the language and put him between the sticks. I mean, key red coaches always go for the safe option. That's not necessarily the safe option, right? It doesn't matter how talented you are. So I think if you are a young keeper yourself going to Inter Milan, it's, it's a worrying move for me. I think it would have been better 
if if you want to go abroad, you alluded Dynamo Kiev. I think maybe moving within Ukraine to one of the better teams would have been maybe a better idea because Dynamo Kiev need a good keeper, right? So that that is that might have been smarter. Vadim <laughs> had to run him. Uh, <laughs> 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 is, um, he's fine. He's safe. All safe. I mean, this this is live podcasting kind of thing. Breaking news: There's apparently a fire at the Duke University Library. So Vadim had to escape the building. Um, yeah, so this, this was Vadim. Um, we were able to wrap up the Lunin conversation and the hiring of Krasnikov. Um, if you want to follow Vadim, you can find him on Twitter and ask him any question about the next thing that we're going to talk about at V Um, he's also written the article on footballgrad.com. And so, you know, he's regular contributor to footballgrad.com. Tim, um, Things happen sometimes, right? I mean, fire, <laughs> alarm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the life recording. That's how it is, yeah. Yeah, that's how it is. Um, <laughs> so we kind of lost our expert on the, on the, on the big match that's taking place on, on Saturday in the Ukrainian Premier League. But I mean, we both, we both follow this, this league enough and we both follow Shakhtar and Dinamo Kiev enough. The, the big, the big game, one of the biggest game in the region, in the post-Soviet space, of course, these days, the Ukraine classical, right? The, the, the game between Shakhtar Donetsk and Dynamo Kiev. Um, this is a game that is even, you know, I remember a few years ago when I was living in Ukraine, people asked me, um, one of the journalists I know, he said, asked me, how do you see this game as a foreigner? And they would go, um, they would ask foreigners about this game. And then they would also talk to um, Russians because a lot of Russians watch this game as well. This is this is quite a big matchup, isn't it? It is. It is. I try to watch it every time I can, mm. and I don't really watch. Uh, I don't know Porskla playing against uh, Zarya Lugansk or Mariupol, but I always try to watch uh, Dynamo Kiev versus Shakhtar because it's a big game. I remember watching uh, was it a few couple years ago uh, when the game finished one one, and I was just amazed at the level of football which I saw. The speeds were there, like the speed was there, the level of play. Like the, the creative, um, chances which both teams created. It was just a really, really good game. It was one of the best games. I remember it was, oh, it was the end of 2006 season. And I said that it was my favorite game since I watched Wales, Belgium. Uh, that game, which I also liked that was at Euro. So it was that same year. And that was just an unbelievable game. I, I was really glued to the TV and I was watching the game and I was surprised at just at the level of football. Which both team shown. It's not really a surprise because both team play European football quite consistently. But it, it, it is a good game. And especially right now, when Shakhtar is six points clear, they, they, if they win, obviously the, the gap will be nine points and the, the title race will be done. But at the same time, if Dynamo wins, it's back to three points. And Vadim told us before, before the, before he had to leave, uh, that, uh, there, the, on the last match day, there's a game between them. So obviously for the new Neutrals. It will be interesting if Dynamo gets uh, the gap to three points, and then there will be the last <coughs> day of the season. Excuse me. There will be the title match. Yeah, yeah. The 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 Klasichny, right? The the classical, the classical. Yeah. I guess every country has it. Um, it's 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 an it's a really interesting match, and I mean this one will be taking place in, in Kharkiv. Um, Schachter were able to get thirty five thousand um, for the game. Um, against Roma. So I expect that they will get a similar, similar crowd for the game against, um, Dynamo. 
Um, in, in the past, we've seen this, this Dasichni taking place at the Hark in Kharkiv and, um, it got really good crowds. And some background to this match, Schachter have won seven out of seven games. They have scored 24 goals and conceded none since the winter break. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. That's very impressive. Um, they don't have Europe anymore to worry about. Um, I mean, same for Dinamo, obviously, but, uh, for very different reasons, but, you know, Dinamo's record hasn't been as great. And, um, when you look at Schachter right now, they're just, they're just rocking that league, Tim. They're just walking through it. And it's, it would be really difficult to, to imagine, um, Dinamo to come out as a winner. But, you know, there's these, these, these big derby matches. They also come with a, with a bit of a background story. You can almost forget the entire rest of the season. But when you play your closest rival, even if Dinamo do not end up winning the title, beating beating Schachter can make up for everything, right? If you if you beating up your biggest rival, is that that's almost like better than winning the title sometimes. Yeah, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm on the same page with you here because um, I'm not only judging uh, this by Ukrainian uh, league, but also just European how. You know how exciting Shakhtar was against Roma, even if they didn't go through. But you know, we saw that it was a great football in the playoffs, and how unconvincing was Dinamo versus uh, Lazio, and they played Ajax. So both games were not really good, and like we and, and the results in the league showed the same. Shakhtar is 24-0 goal difference, seven out of seven, and Dinamo is not as rosy as as Shakhtar. So obviously, we can see that as of right now. It looks like Shakhtar, Shakhtar is in a, compared to Dinamo in a better form, but absolutely, like you said, it's a derby game. And sometimes in derby games, like really crazy things happen. Um, and yeah, there is, there's significant rivalry between those two clubs. So obviously, you know, the Dinamo players will try to do an extra step to, to get this, um, to get the, to get the result. And like we've been saying, um, Vadim was supposed to tell us a little bit more about Tsegankov, mm. who got the uh, the captain's armband and who has been on fire this season. So, obviously, he will be the player for us to watch uh, in that match. Yeah, 32 matches, 15 goals, 12 assists. Oh, what, what a talent, hey? I mean, we have an article on him on footballgrad.com as well. He's now the, the third best goal scorer in the Ukrainian Premier League behind uh, Ferreira and Malos, and Tsegankov is a, is a winger. That's something that we have to keep in mind. It's it's uh it's a pretty impressive numbers for a very young player still um who basically was thrown into this position when Yamolenko left right because they said well the, he is the he is the future and um well we're going to give him the armband now and give him a very big role but Tahoe, those numbers what the ten those numbers fifteen goals twelve assists that's that's twenty seven scorer points uh and thirty two matches that's incredible. Especially for such a young kid, you know, like that's, you know, like I wanted to ask actually Vadim the question, like on a scale of the recent um, Ukrainian stars, like, you know, Yermolinka and then um, the guy who played for Sharky Sevilla, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Konoblanka. Konoblanka, yeah, and then how is he potentially compared to, to those two players and then even going back to Shevchenko Rybrov because those numbers are really incredible and getting the armband at a, such a big club as Dynamo Kiev at the such a young age you know there's must be something on not only on a playing level but also on a personal level that you know the player who is at such a young age and he has quite a you know a few older players who have 
way more experience than, than he than he does uh, in the squad. He still gets the armband, so he must be doing something also off field that you know allows him to get that armband at such a big club. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know he's he was obviously born in Israel. He's only twenty years old, and he was born in Israel because his his father was um, a professional football player playing there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very interesting, a very interesting background story that he was born in Naharia in Israel. Um, yeah, 20 year old, he's already the captain at, in, at Ukraine's, you know, most story club, you know, not biggest club right now. I think that title will go to, to Shakhtar Donetsk based on recent titles won and, uh, European pedigree, but, um, definitely most story club. So that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible story and he's definitely the one to watch. I think the ones to watch with Schachter we have outlined them many times, the Ferreira, Marlos, Tyson, Bernard, right? Rakitsky in the back. Those are the players that you want to watch for Schachter. Some of them will be available at the end of the season because Schachter might um, do a little bit of a rebuild. But yeah, interest, this will be an interesting game, I guess, uh, Tim, before we wrap this up as rather eventful podcast with fire alarms, etc. <laughs> we we have to, uh, have to give a tip. Um, how do you? What do you think? How is this match going to end? Uh, I don't. I don't know how it will end, obviously. But I want uh, Dynamo Kiev to win just to keep the title race going. I, like I'm completely neutral in this in this scenario. So I just really want you know. Then for us, it will be more interesting to mm-hmm. to to view that league. And um, because yeah, because pretty, pretty much Shakhtar wins pretty much finishes the league in terms of the title and um, the rest of the league will be not that important but uh, if Dynamo wins and I love those games like to me the last day of the season and when teams have to play for something I just love those games but when it's especially a trophy if we can get the final like it's mm. pretty much like a final I love those games I'm not, I don't think I'm the only one but like so I'm really I, I'm not going to be rooting for Dynamo Kiev but I will be hoping that they will win and uh, we will get a very Exciting end of the season in Ukrainian uh, football. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100%. Um, I hope that there will be that uh, maybe Dynamo can pull off a little bit of a miracle, win this game, and then we'll get a get a title race. So fingers crossed that that will happen. Um, yeah, so my prediction will be Dynamo will win, surprise win, and uh, a fantastic title race till the very end of the season. But yeah, Vadim, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but is is closing the fire somewhere else. <laughs> He's already gone. Well, Tim, that's it for for this podcast. Where can people find you, um, and what have you been up to? Uh, people can f- find me at uh, on Twitter, Russian Tim sixty one. Um, I had a couple of a uh, few very interesting conversations this weekend with a couple of followers and football grad members and football grad listeners. So. It's interesting, and especially with, with Paul, we talked about Simax role and a couple of other things. So it's, uh, I like this. Uh, so if you want to have some football-related conversations on Twitter, uh, Russian Tim sixty one, and uh, on uh, Instagram Rocket from Russia, this is great. <laughs> yeah, and that was Tim and not Vadim. <laughs> <laughs> Vadim is apparently rushing back into the the house. Uh, the fire drill is over. Um, poor timing, anyhow. 
But yeah, um, you can find this podcast <laughs> and all the other podcasts at Football Grad Live on Twitter. Uh, we have we had a few podcasts going on this week. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a tough week for recording for us because of uh, the, the many many Champions League games, and we've covered all we cover almost all the Champions League games. Um, they will all be at Football Grad Live as well. You can follow me at Manuel Vef and um, yeah, people, if you have any questions, anything in particular you want to, to discuss with us. You can send us an email, contact at footballgrad.com. Um, you can send us questions at footballgrad live on Twitter. You can leave comments on our, we're on iTunes, so you can leave comments underneath there and give us a rating. Uh, tell us how to improve that. Um, anything that is in our powers, fire alarms are not part of that. So please don't rate <laughs> us on that based on that. But yeah, you can find us, uh, on those. So yeah, that's it. Until next week, das wird dann hier. get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper and now adult beverages with drizzly drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer wine and spirits then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes and right now drizzly's giving all new customers five dollars off their first order just enter promo code easy five at checkout download the drizzly app or go to drizzly.com that's d-r-i-z-l-y.com Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.